Hello and welcome to Stand and Deliver, JoJo Podcast. This week, we discuss episode 20 of season 4, The Final Order from the Boss, and episode 37 of Yakitate Japan. Crackdown 3. Okay. Game. It's, yeah. It's alright. Everyone's talking about it. Yeah. Terry Crews is in it. He is. You have to max out your strength stat to make him look like the real Terry Crews, which I really enjoy. Uh, what INI configuration do I need to have set in order for it to just play that Mario 3 remix every time he's on the screen? That's right. One, it was Mario 64. Second, I'm oh, not sure. Right. Uh, because it's a Microsoft game, so uh, good luck with that. Because it's not on Steam. Just modded in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But also, <laughs> just more, find a way. Maybe relevant to your interests, I've been playing Onimusha, the port for yeah. PS4. Hell yeah. That, that game's not good. I disagree. Uh, but I've also, I've also not played that in. Uh, oh Jesus! Like. T- 12 to 15 years? That's more recent than I would guess, because that's an early PS2 game. I did not play it when it came out. I remember that much, because I didn't have, like, a PS2 at that point. It took me a little bit to actually get one. And then it took, like, quite a bit past that for me to even, like, really figure out what Onimusha was. Well, Um, the thing with this version is um, it doesn't have tank controls, so that makes it a lot better. But it's mm. still not great. I didn't play the third one until probably about two years ago. Mm, how did you like that? That one's good. I like that one a lot. I like two a lot. Um, Get that whip in three. Yeah, whip's cool. Has Jean Renault in it. Yeah. Um, there was a fourth one, too. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. No, Nobody remembers. <laughs> yeah, that's Had right. That guy with the horns. Look, the only way you give Onimusha 4 power is by believing in it. Remember when they made that um, that Smash Brothers type game? Onimusha, oh. like, Warlords? I think. I actually... Because it came out around the same time as, like, Beautiful Joe Red Hot Rumble, which was the same thing. I don't want to do, like, a bunch of clicking, but I'm pretty sure that I have that on my PC. A totally, like, legal ISO that mm. fell out of the back of a truck. Uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> I think I I think I have that one, because uh, yeah, I did not know about that until fairly recently when I was looking up like all the Onimusha games and was like, there was a fighting game. Yeah, I played some of. They have four, enough characters for that, and like I had completely forgotten it until uh, when I was looking up stuff for this one, like when I hmm. was 
I just typed in Onimusha and an image of that horn guy came up and I was like, oh right, this one. Um Yeah, they have enough characters. You got Simanosuke, you got Jubei, you have Jean Reno, you've got Keede. I all these well known Onimusha characters that I recall right off the top of my dome. We got Nobunaga. I remember Nobunaga. You don't remember Jubei? He's the main guy in the second one. Samanosuke, he's the main guy in the first one. Okay, I the don't. Ninja. No, it's again. It's been like a really long time. Okay. I I planned it. I planned to play them all again uh, before the year is up. Every year, I kind of like I hoard a bunch of horror games, and then during all of October, all I play exclusively is horror games. And so this one coming up, it was going to be. Uh, either the Silent Hills or the Onimushas. Well, I got news for kinda... you. Onimusha's not a horror game. I it it has its roots in survival horror. Like I want to say it had started in like a similar way to like Resident Evil Four, where they wanted to make that more of like a horror game. I don't know. I I always remember like the first two, especially, had more of like a horror leaning, and then the third one pushes away from that pretty hard. Not really. This one starts with you fighting demon ninjas. Uh, All right, maybe I, maybe I play before October and I just play Silent Hill then. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's fine too. Like I want to play those either way. It doesn't matter really what month I play them. Like I I actually kind of remembered it that way too. I think two actually might be more of a horror game than the first one is. Mm. Um, like you go through and there are plenty of like blood splatters in the castle and whatnot, but that's kind of it. I also need to finish Alone in the Dark at some point. Oh, also, you still have fixed camera angles, which is really good, especially in boss fights where it's a circular room and you're trying to run around and dodge him and the camera angle's constantly changing. That's real good. Great. Thanks. I'm Larry (sighs) Davis. With me is George Brundle. We're here to talk about... Look, we don't have a guest this week, so it's just back to the usual thing of rambling about PlayStation 2 (laughs) games. Uh, I hate to, I hate to do this so early in the episode. Uh, I have the JoJo's Wiki pulled up, which you graciously sent to me. Uh, and one of the popular pages is which Kingdom Hearts three character are you? I oh, want to know are which. You? Well, I have not taken the test, and I was going to see. Uh, maybe we we do that now, or maybe I do that in the background. Article: Your Kingdom Hearts personality was not found. Okay. Well, I guess we're not doing that. Wikia! <laughs> Thanks, Wikia. Also, the answer for me is obviously Axel. Actually, no. I'm the, the guy with the eye patch, with the guns, who hates everyone. I'm goofy. Yeah, kind of. Search existing articles for... There's nothing. Why was that a popular page? It doesn't exist! Quiz number one, what is one plus one question mark answer equals two? What the f- What are you doing? Shut the servers for fandom.com off. Episode 20. Final mission from the boss. We need we need to finish uh, this. Team Team Bucciarati. They're they're in a boat. Uh, they're sailing along, they got their disc uh, with the last instructions to the boss, and the boss is like, okay, 
you're almost here. Uh, I'm up in this tower. What you need to do is one of you access her bodyguard. They don't bring any weapons at all, period, nothing. Just you and Trish. And then every everyone else, all you fuckers stay in the boat. And if, like, you deviate from this plan, even if it is accidentally, I will take it as, like, you making a move against me and trying to kill me. And if you do that, you are done. Yeah. Uh, you know Diavolohi. Not paranoid at all. Mm, no, not at all. Just very trusting. Also, spoilers, they deviate from the plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know. Look, if everything went according to plan, like, what would the series be? Uh, short. Yeah. We'd be free. Boring. We could go back to our normal lives. Oh, I wish. Yeah, it would also it would also be pretty boring. Uh, so they're all getting out of the boat. Or, well, no, they're not all getting out of it. Uh, Jorna was like, "Hey, I want to be the bodyguard," and then uh, Abashio gets really upset about this and says, "Hey, no, you know, Utradi is the capo. He is, of course, going to be the one to go with Krish." Yeah, nobody uh, seems to think the person who goes with her will probably get killed. Yeah, you like. If I were Jorno, I would almost sort of make that case to Abashio of like, yo, if you don't like me, there's a good chance I might just die. I, if I was Giorgio, Jorno, great, man, Jimmy's got me doing it. Great, thanks. <laughs> uh, if I was Jorno, I would immediately be like, not it. One of you guys do it. Bashio stands up I'm and says, I think the new guy should do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, hey, I'm I'm the new person here. Let me be the sacrificial lamb. But no, Butcherati's gonna do it. He's a stand-up guy. Good one. Um, Like, between the... They they both have, like, probably the best stands for the job because if Jorno does get attacked, he doesn't need to bring a weapon in with him so much as he can turn something inanimate into something living but also deadly. Uh, and then obviously Butrati, he can just zip his way out of there if he really needs to. Yeah. Uh, well, Narancia, Guido, Abashio, those fuckers would all be dead. Purple Haze, I don't know. We've seen him once, and he wasn't exactly in control of his stand user. Yeah. Trained in the background. They can't hear it. <laughs> I told you. <laughs> the noise gates are a wonderful thing. <laughs> Uh, you know me, I believe in tearing down barriers. Yeah. I believe in building them back up again. So you can probably hear it now while I'm talking. Yeah. No, we, you talked the last time. That's why I brought it up. Because I, I heard it when you spoke. Anyway, uh, Bootsrati and Jorno have a moment. They lock eyes. It's like time just stands still. Also, Bootsrati seems to be trying to communicate telepathically because he's like, no, I know what you want to do. You want to figure out who the boss is. I want the same thing. And so they... It doesn't seem like they've necessarily worked this out beforehand so much as they're just on the same wavelength, but... Well, the uh, way Butrati, he says it, it's pretty clear. He's yeah. like, hey, give me a bug. Get, hey, yeah. hey, hey. Has a lucky charm, capiche? Uh, so Jorno gives uh, one of his ladybug... Uh, Brooches, brooches, whatever off, uh, and hands it over to Butrati, and it's living, it's pulsating. 
that doesn't look conspicuous at all. Well, it's not going to actually be doing that the whole time. That's just sure. to let you know. Hey, I, Giorno gave it a little juice. Uh, Giorno like, and juice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just injected a little bit of Giorno juice in there. Took one of those uh, Ronco flavor injectors. I was like, here, I'm going to put something <laughs> special in this. I mentioned to you the other day that I bought one of those cans of Bang called Purple Haze and how it tasted just exactly like fizzy cough syrup. Mm. I was like, man, I could just dump a bunch of vodka in here and get really fucked. Yeah. It's 300 milligrams of caffeine in every single one of those cans. Oh, boy. How big That's a lot. Uh, 16 ounces, I think. Oh, that's not too bad. No, that's still, like, you're not supposed to have more than 400 in a day. Yeah. Well, don't drink two. So, like, but I want to. No. Just drink but one. The, if you drink two, you'll it, explode. But it tastes, it tastes like cough syrup, though. Oh, well, I could see why you would want more, then. <laughs> it is kind of weird that I'm drinking this thing that tastes like cough syrup, and instead of it making me feel real sleepy, it just starts giving me heart palpitations. Mmm. That's how you know it's good. Yeah. It's the only way I feel alive anymore. Uh, so, uh, we get inside of this uh, clock tower. They're about to go into the elevator, but Trish starts having this nervous breakdown of just like, you know, I've never met this guy before. I don't even love him as a father. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And is like, well, probably you'll have to change your name and get like some reconstructive surgery and like, You'll get shipped out to somewhere you've never been, where a bunch of people you've never met live, and that'll just be your life. Yeah, and he says it in a very positive way, like, hey, yeah. you know, you you get to, you get a new a new start, isn't that nice? Yeah, right, a new start. Huh? Honey, your dad's just going to kill your identity. That's all. Yeah, which I mean, to say that. It never occurred to Bucciarati before the part in the elevator what Diavolo might actually want to do. Bucciarati, that, yeah, you're kind of dumb. Yeah, because this whole thing with Diavolo to begin with is that he is where he is selling drugs and he is not okay with it. He understands Diavolo is not a good guy. Yeah, also, his whole thing about leaving no trace, including, like, Pericolo shooting himself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the only thing I could think of maybe is because we get this whole extended flashback of Bucharai's childhood, which is like the bulk of this episode, uh, is that maybe his relationship with his own parents sort of establishes this weird kind of trust in him of like, well, a parent loves their child, so he would never do that even though he's a terrible person. I guess so. Uh, also, I guess it... m- m- most of this episode is the flashback where not a whole lot happens. This is going to be a short one. Yeah. Uh, Also, to like that would still be incredibly naive of him, even if that is what the flashback is trying to get at. I don't really think it is. I think it's just yeah. Because previously, around now is when we would have gotten the flashbacks for the other characters, and for whatever reason, they just didn't show Bucciarati's until now. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we get inside the elevator, and then, uh, everything seems to be going fine, until all of a sudden, Bucciarati is just holding a severed hand, and Trish is completely gone. 
as happens, you know. And he has this really great moment of holding this hand, gushing blood, and just being like, What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It's also, it's not like this hasn't happened before. What happened? Hey, what happened? That was my catchphrase, you know, in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, yeah, so... I can't remember if... Uh, okay, yeah, that that stuff with him actually using the zipper and everything, that's after the flashback. Because this is where we go into, like... He was the son of a fisherman. Uh, he's pretty much always dressed this way, by the way. Yes, even as a child, he was wearing uh, things with lots of zippers. Yeah, uh, he, there's like a brief moment where he dresses like a normal little boy, and then uh, his mom leaves his father, and after that he starts wearing like a proto version of his jacket with like the black, uh, almost like watermelon seed looking design. Mm-hmm. Or I guess like uh, drops of rain or something, I'm not sure exactly what that's supposed to be, but... Oh, uh, I, I had assumed they were like supposed to be upside down teardrops or something. But they're not quite right for no. that either Yeah, I'm not sure um, But yeah, there, there's a bit where like It's it's a seemingly lovely, loving uh, family uh, Except his mom one day is just like Peace, I'm out Yeah it's Like we don't even get an explanation Because I don't think Rocky wanted to think of one No, she says something about like I want to change, so I'm going to the city But it's obviously not that because he even says, yeah. like, Bucciarati never knew really why. Um, the worst thing they do is when they're having a divorce, they're like, Hey, Bucci, come in here. We got, uh, you decide which of us do you want to live with. And yeah. that's a real bad thing to do. Yeah, it is. And then the mom the entire time is just like, You love me more, right? You want to come live with me. And his dad's just, like, sulking in the background. And Bucciarati makes the right call of, like, no, I'm gonna live with Dad. Yeah, because specifically he's like, "Yeah, Mom's fine. She'll be fine." Dad, yeah. oof, I gotta be yeah. around here. <laughs> You're gonna find Dad dead out at sea like a week later if I leave. Uh, oh, oh, uh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, him being around like it takes a little bit longer than that. Well, yeah. Uh, so his mom leaves, sure enough, like, two years later, she remarries. She only sees her son, like, once a year. Everything is fine. Yeah, you know, it's normal. Look, compared yeah. to some of the other guys' backstories, Butrati's doing okay at this point. Yeah, Guido's was he ate a lot of cheese and then did four homicides. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's the perfect encapsulation of Guido's life. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. So, yeah, uh, his his father starts doing, like, boat tours to, like, get some extra income, uh, but then one day a couple no, of Bucciarati very shitty guys... starts that. I, gu- I guess well, we should does? say, like, maybe Bruno, because they're obviously the father, Bucciarati, but uh, yeah. he, he starts giving boat tours, because his dad's like, huh? Wait, what? And he's like, ah, it's a way to get some extra money, remember? Okay. I... Somehow I think I missed that. But, uh, but yeah, point point is, he's doing these boat tours and these guys who are very obviously shady who you should maybe just turn down. 
Oh wait, no. Uh, no are no, arguing. It, it says up until then he'd only been a fisherman, but was to earn money for his son's tuition. He started taking okay. tours. Yeah. Okay. Well, but yeah. Look, it doesn't matter. Point is, he starts doing boat tours, and yes. these two guys they want to go to a place that is off the path of the tour, and so. He denies him at first, but he eventually relents, and then big shock, he got shot seven damn times. So this went differently than how I thought it was going to. I thought that Bucciarati was going to take them out, and like he would see them disposing a body or something, and that's how he got yeah. into the mob. Yeah. But, no. Nah. Hey kid, gangs are cool. Yeah. Hold this bag of cocaine for me. No. <laughs> Just hold on to it. I I don't wanna. No, it's fine. It's fine. I don't just, want to. I, don't want to. Don't. I just I'm gonna take this masking tape. I'm just gonna tape it to your body. Wait, where? It's not. It's not important. Don't 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 put it on my ding dong. <laughs> when it comes. Whoa, to kid! Hurt. No. I want to do that as. Gonna put it on your butt. That's also bad. I mean, look, I have a lot of hair back there, and so that's that's also gonna not be great when it comes off. Oh God, little Bucciarati with a hairy butt. <laughs> it's a a wonderful concept. It's just like really smooth and silky and long, like the hair on his head. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Uh. Jesus fucking Christ. When he uses the bathroom, he's got to part the curtains. <laughs> Shampoos it every day. Yeah, and condition. Oh, sure. No, he, got, he has one of those two-in-ones. Mm-hmm. He's got the little, like, the little gold beads from his head. It's also on his butt hair. <laughs> <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, dad's uh, a hospital. Well, hey, look, we, we had to make this episode fun somehow. Yeah, the episode's not going to do it until the end, which is yeah. pretty good. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, uh, father's rushed to the hospital, shot seven times. A cop shows up. Uh, or no, I think the narrator is the one that says, like, Boutrani's dad was very fortunate to get shot seven times and have it miss all of his vital organs and also to survive the surgery because the boat that found him had medical supplies so he was able to make it to the hospital in the first place. Very fortunate. Let's ignore the fact that being fortunate would be not getting shot in the first place. Yeah. 50 Cent was very fortunate that he survived yeah. all of those sh shootings. Shot, shoot, shottings? Shooting. The shot shooting Get, getting shot. that they did on 50 Cent. Yeah. He's the time he got shooted. Back. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the cops also just like, hey, check out this brick of cocaine I got. Your dad saw a drug deal. I need him to live. I need a witness. Seems like maybe this is the... he shouldn't just be carrying that around, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yo, ch Yo, kid, check out this block of cocaine. This is worth what was your dad grand. doing? <laughs> or however many uh, rubles. What do they use over there? I'm I've not already sure. forgotten. Slices of pepperoni. Mamma mia. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the guys. Can you break apart this gabagoo for me? <laughs> it's not, it's not gabagoo, <laughs> it's gabagool. 
Yeah, well, I stop now. So, the two guys from the boat end up breaking into his hospital room late one night. Oh, with knives. I was and breaking into a hospital third. room late one night. Uh, <laughs> we we really to need it. to get through this because I want to get to the bread anime so bad. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> that's where all the good stuff is this week. It's all, all packed into the bread anime. Yeah. It's a fucked up week where an anime about baking bread is better than an episode of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, but whatever. Here we are. The boss's last orders. Fuck my life. Uh, these guys uh, come into I, I the Elder Boutrage room. By the way, for the roulette, yeah. only because I remembered the segment from one of the AMV Hills of uh, Weird Al's Rye or the Kaiser with clips from it. And I, remember, oh, man, I just yeah. remembered back to that. I was like, oh, right, that bread anime. I'm going to stick that on here. And guess what? I it miss... didn't disappoint. I miss AMV Hell. It's a bummer that they're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Because uh, especially, I, I had that one thing that I did for... I I make, used to make, I still would, but I've not had like any good ideas for one, like these game tip videos, where like the tip is always complete garbage, it doesn't help you out, but... Like, the main thing is it's sort of a parody of those, like, game tip videos on YouTube where they have a bullshit anime intro, like a little mini AMV before they get to it. Uh, but mine were basically, like, little AMV hell things that I would put together, and the one that I would really like to submit to an AMV hell was the Grave of the Fireflies one set to Life During Wartime. Oh, right. That was a good one. Yeah. I mean, AMV hell already was... had a really good Grave of the Fireflies one with the Danger High Voltage. Yes, but like it was the specific bit where he's saying like you get you some sleep now and it's him holding his like dead sister and then I burned all my notebooks. What good are notebooks? They won't help me survive and it's just him burning her corpse. Yeah. Uh, that would have to be in like it was... AMV Hell Zero Two. So. Uh, sure. I know, it, it was, was really good. I'm very proud of it and I wish AMV Hell were still a thing because I would totally submit it to that. Yeah, I um was just thinking probably a couple of weeks ago about gentlemen behold corn so yeah i'm with you on this yeah i think i know what i'm watching tonight mm. it's been been a while since it's, it's i've also, watched NBL. it's also because of that uh that whenever i see initial d i think about that um now i know how richard petty feels song <laughs> yeah was that, uh, this is a giant cock part of that thing, or was that just something else that somebody made? I don't, I think that was something else. I don't remember it. Okay. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, a couple of, uh, mafioso, they break into the room, they got knives, they're like, we're going to kill this witness, and then, bam, yeah, Bucciarati jumping out from under the bed, just stabbing this dude in the neck. Iraqi saw a pet cemetery. This is the latest in Iraqi Saw. Um, See, this was lost on me because I have not seen Pet Cemetery. There's a part in Pet Cemetery where a kid hides under a bed, and but in, in that movie, he like slices the Achilles tendon, so the guy falls down because it's Ooh. a toddler. Uh, and that actually sounds him. way worse. Oh, it's pretty bad. Um, Although but, we do get Bucciarati just stabbing one of the like the other guy directly through the eyeball, and that is. Yeah, really like, something. Do you still have any doubts about whether this season is censored or not? Because I don't. 
Oh. No, I mean, we see a lot of Trisha's severed hand and it is not like... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think those bits earlier with like Purple Haze and stuff where it was a little bit blacked out were just like intentional because yeah. between that bit of the guy who had gotten sliced up and then yeah, the severed hand here and I... that bit where he just like drags the knife up through the guy like seppuku style. Yeah, I don't know if they're just airing this later at night or something like that. It's, it's very weird to me because... You and I just got done watching, like, a bunch of clips from, like, a Resident Evil 2 playthrough with this weird, like, virtual idol thing. Yeah. Uh, Kazumi AI or something like Kazuna that. Kazuna AI, yeah. Yeah. And, like, we've brought it up before, but, like, that game is incredibly censored. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's kind of weird because this specifically, this season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, if this is actually a broadcast version and not something that got, like, repackaged for the americans yeah i, like I that, do wonder if this is like something with their exclusive agreement that like they give crunchyroll or vrv their like the special version of it or something yeah i wonder if they just send us the version that didn't make it to japanese tv like this is before they ran the censorship stuff over it or something like that yeah like they're giving us the yeah, raws the... oh yeah and that raw jojo yeah. Oh yeah. Uh yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure. Uh that reminds me, you brought up a while ago wanting to know who voiced Kira in the uh English dub, and I think it is um I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, but the guy who plays Spike Spiegel. Oh, Steve Bloom? Yeah, so Great. it's just Steve Bloom's voice. That's Great. Kira. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Like that that makes yeah. a certain amount of sense. Yeah, it's fun. I feel uh, like I would Glenn. want somebody a bit more th- that sounds very haughty though. Yeah, sort of something a bit more effeminate. Yeah. Lighter voice. But, you know, I'm glad Steve Bloom is still getting work. Yeah, I haven't like heard him in a game in a while actually. So, if anybody listening remembers um, Old Man Murray, the video game website, they used to have a thing where it was like start to crate, and they would try to test like how long it took before you would see a crate in a video game, because the theory was that that's when the game developers gave up. Like, they did not try to create anything anymore, they were just like, ah, I'm just going to stick a crate here. So I would try to determine the start to Steve Bloom time for most games, uh, because he was in pretty much every game for a good long time. Uh, I think like Arkham City was immediately. Arkham, yes, I think so because he's. Like I think he's in the beginning effect. part with Catwoman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Red Red Faction Armageddon was also a really quick one. Um, I think one of the longest ones I had encountered was Mafia Two because he's only in a, a prison scene, which is like in the middle of that game. Then it became like time until Troy Baker at some point because Troy essentially became the new Steve Bloom just in terms of being super prolific. Yes, but that kind of doesn't work so well because if Troy Baker's a game, he's usually a major character. And Steve yeah. Bloom's one of those guys that's always like additional voices. Uh, yeah. Like Phil Lamar, you could probably do it with too, but he's a bit harder to pick out. Out of the crowd. That's how he's introduced in like award shows and stuff. Is just additional character actor Steve Bloom. <laughs> I mean, kind of is. 
Also, uh, actually, a short he one just would be mutters um, something about being Tom. A short one would be like the I think the X Men Legends games are like Ultimate Alliance. He was uh, Wolverine in those, so yeah. those were also pretty short ones. Yeah, well, you know, now he's playing Kira. Great, congratulations, so, Steve Bloom. Yeah, I. It's going to be great when it turns out I'm completely wrong about that, and it's just somebody that struck my ear as being Steve Bloom. Oh, you don't actually know. No, I don't. I did not look it up. Well, I just watched great. a clip and I was just like, that sure sounds like Steve Bloom to me. Awesome. Now I have to look. Yeah, look, it's a very distinctive voice. I'm fairly confident in Steve Bloom. <laughs> I I don't know if I can believe you. Uh, what does the internet say? Hold on. I'm trying to look. Uh... Oh boy, the JoJo wiki is so good that it includes like his uh, eye color and his birthday and his zodiac sign, but... I don't see anything where it says who voice. Oh, here it is. Uh, DC Douglas, so not Steve Bloom. All right, great. Cool. Oh, you know who else he voices? Huh. Wesker. Maybe that's where I'm recognizing his voice from. Probably. That's a good choice, though. Like, if you're going to get the, uh, someone to play Kira. Yeah, like. Like if you if you went the dude who played Wesker, I'd be like, okay, yeah. Yes, I I agree. That makes more sense to me than Steve Bloom. Yeah, they are both perverts, so it makes sense. <laughs> sure. Um, now there was. A... I hope we get to fight Kira hey, on I was the volcano. Say, like speaking of the JoJo's wiki again, there is a Mountain Dew wiki that is like actually like well laid out and pretty comprehensive which is fucking mind boggling and the JoJo's wiki is a mess mm -hmm. yeah like I showed that to someone the other day how they have like an article for every single democracy campaign for every country in which they ran a democracy and they cover every single flavor that came out of that it is insane there are people out there who maintain a Mountain Dew wiki. And God bless them for it. Yeah, and the JoJo's people can't get their shit together to even put an Iraqi says anywhere on the website anymore. I mean, Suda says. Uh, yes, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting. Yeah. Because we haven't talked about Suda in so long that, like, my mind is going back to, like, this is Iraqi's baby instead of, like, <laughs> this is Iraqi. This weirdo. Yeah, it's just this one weirdo instead of the two weirdos. God, the, the, the Mountain Dew Wiki is absolutely insane. Yes, you've it is insane. <laughs> I love it. I'm reading every article on it. I'm going to become a Mountain Dew expert, and then I'll maintain the Mountain Dew Wiki. Yeah. <sighs> so, he stabs the guys. Yes, he stabs the guys. <laughs> they die. He joins uh, Pashoin. Uh, at some point gets a stand they don't actually clarify whether he gets it from the arrow or if he developed it naturally kind of doesn't matter I think he got um, it from um, uh, Black Sabbath because it mentions specifically they went to see Pulpo mm. uh, but yeah one day he's uh, beating a dude up uh, and finds that the guy like he has dropped a brick of cocaine and then that is when Bruno puts it together and is just like I thought that this was prohibited here, but that means the boss is selling drugs! Oh, no! Ah! How could the mafia do something so illegal? 
Yeah. Uh, poor naive Bruno. Uh, yeah, there's this whole thing about how, like, oh, for a while he believed the mafia was, like, actual justice when it's like, were you, was your fucking brain asleep during the whole bit where the cop came up to you and was just like, the mob tried to kill your pap-pap because they were, he caught them selling drugs. I don't know if that was necessarily the mobs. That might have just been, like, two weird goons. No, they say the mob. They like, do? I thought they, I thought that they said it was the mafia. Mm, I regardless, that. regardless, like, it doesn't even matter if Bruno is that naive. Yeah. That's on him. He is, though. Anyways, was. speaking of Bruno being naive, he's holding a severed hand, and his first thought is, oh, well, I guess I better chase after this guy. I do like how he yells out, you have once again betrayed my heart. <laughs> like, that'll really show him. <laughs> yeah. Also, this bit where he zips open the bottom of the elevator, drops the bug, and it Somehow latches right onto Diavolo's butt Yep Also without him noticing Yeah uh, But then he does a really cool thing Which is he basically makes a zipper all the way down The elevator shaft and just rides The zipper down Yeah, I liked that uh, And then well, he, he finds a hole inside of a cabinet He's making a zipper on the uh, Cable in the elevator So he's mm. like Grabbing onto the zipper to zip down it Look, if you try to uh, just grab that cable and write it down, that'd mess up your hands. Uh, look, people's hands are getting messed up all the time in this season. That's true. You know how many separate hands we're up to at this point? Uh, four? It's a, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Abashio lost one of his hands. Uh, uh, Giorno yeah. had his pop off. Uh, yeah. Trish has lost her hand now. Yeah. Um, it's frankly a miracle that Guido has not lost his hand. No, Guido's just been shot about 800 times. He's very fortunate. <sighs> I mean, look, they could do it like the opening of Robocop. Yeah. If they want to keep the whole theme of him getting shot a bunch alive. Uh, yeah, almost every... Like, damn near half of our main cast has lost a hand at this point. Yep. I think, uh, didn't um, the mirror guy also lose his hand? I think so. Doesn't um, Purple Haze melted off or something? I, I can't remember if he melts it off or if he uses Abashio's hand to do that. No, I. it would have to have been... Yeah, it would have had to have been the man in the mirror's hand because, like, there's no salvaging that hand at that point. Right. I feel so, like yeah. At, at the end, like, he was missing, like, a hand when he was melting or something. I think he was. I feel safe in saying we've had at least four hands get severed yes. in the, like, 20 episodes that we have watched so far, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of a lot. Uh, yeah, that four over to that twenty. What do you get? Four twenty. Nice. Boom. <laughs> and there's a hole in a cabinet. Pujarabi uh, <laughs> goes down it. Uh, he hides behind a pillar and sees the boss carrying Trish away. And uh, the boss is just like, "Hey, you know, I thought you were a real good boy, but 
you better not get out from behind that pillar. I'm going to fucking murder you. And this also surprises me that even at this point, he's still restraining himself because, again, I totally thought he was just going to straight up kill Bucciarati in that elevator. Yep. Yeah. Like, I thought Uh, Giorno would come in or he would realize something's wrong and then he would be the one to go after Trish. It is surprising to me that Trish is even still alive and that he wouldn't have just immediately murdered her. Yeah. Like, if he could just sever her hand, maybe he should have just severed her head and Bucciarati's head right off their shoulders. Problem solved. I feel like he probably has a reason for that, but I don't know what it would be. Maybe he finds out that she has developed a stand or something like that, and that maybe he's is trying important to, get her to him to. in some way. Uh, like, say that again? I, I think maybe he's trying to get her to develop a stand. Possibly, yeah. I don't I don't know if it is as simple as he wants to kill Trish, or if that is a conclusion that Bucciarati has come to. Uh, he obviously doesn't care too much about her well-being, because, again, chopped her hand off. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so... Butrati decides to attack anyway. This does not exactly go well for him. Uh, he cannot hit uh, Diavolo at all. Like, Diavolo just seems to be teleporting all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls out his cell phone. Uh, a Nokia, <sighs> out of his pretty face. much. Just, just to remind me, like, uh, when this takes place, because I had forgotten. Yep. He zips uh, out his face, and the phone falls yeah. out. You could hit that anywhere on your body, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Put it in your jaw. Uh, he calls up uh, Giorno, uh, and it's just, so like, hey, you know, you, you put this bug on him, where is he? And uh, Giorno starts saying, like, he's like near the base of the stairs, like two meters, like a pillar two meters away from the base of the stairs. Uh, but also, wait a second, don't attack him. Butrati does not listen. No. He attacks him. Uh, but as he does, uh, it turns out he's attacking like an image of himself. Yeah. Now here we get, uh, first of all, we get the great King Crimson. Uh, infamously, one of the hardest to understand stands in all of JoJo. I'm not because sure what he I does. Because... Get it. Well, they haven't explained anything yet. Well, he just says, I, like, know... I will tell you how my stand works, but that is going to happen in like the next episode. So I, I'm not I, really too sure. I know the actual explanation, and it still doesn't make sense. Basically, he uh, erases time. Okay. Which, you, it again, it doesn't make sense because you would still be experiencing it as it happens, but would not... Okay, so... Here... In function, it basically should act like uh, Dio's time-stopping. Like, that's basically what you saw at the end of the previous episode when I mentioned it actually shows him using a stand where he just disappears. Mm. Um, but then this thing with the mirror images, like, I, I don't get that part. Yeah, that was weird because he's just like, what you're experiencing right now is yourself 10 seconds in the future. Your past is experiencing your future. And I think he was specifically letting him do that. Like, he didn't have to let him see that. Because he says something about how he erases time and leaps forward past it. Yeah. I I think he says something, too. Like, you know, I think you're such a cool dude that I'm going to just, like, tell you how my stand works. 
like usually this is something like characters have to figure out through a lot of trial and error and today's just like that's gonna tell you yeah well, <laughs> whatever he, he figures he's probably dead so he wants to show off i guess yeah. cats um, out of the bag my name's diavolo uh, i was born on <laughs> i look at my cool pink hair and my I'm, weird outfit. i'm i'm a pisces uh i went to juilliard <laughs> Lived through a black plague, I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist 157 times. It keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. That's what you were going to do? Yep. Right. <laughs> what would Beetlejuice's stand be? Oh. Uh, and so, <laughs> just picturing Beetlejuice in some fucked up, like, Giorno Giovanna pose now. Stand would be Green Day. I don't know. Oh, uh, if I... No, man, Striper. If I could... If I get the time, I really kind of want to draw that. Uh, so, here's the thing. After this episode, I did decide to just look up how does King Crimson work, because I was like, man, I don't want to have to wait a week for the explanation on this. And the explanation that I got is basically it's the hand, except instead of swiping away space, it swipes away time. Yes. So... From how it sounds to me is 10 seconds of time will elapse. Everybody will experience that 10 seconds. But then at the end of it, he can erase that 10 seconds. This allows it, like, the the key point that I absorbed from this is in that 10 seconds, he can't interact with anything. But things can't interact with him. So if he takes damage during that 10 seconds, he can swipe it clean, and that damage will have not been, like, absorbed by him. Hmm. Okay. But that also means that I don't think that he can damage other people during that 10 seconds, which is why Trish losing her hand is the bit that's confusing to me, and is maybe also just, like, this is the first time the power was actually used in the comic, and so maybe Iraqi just hadn't worked that part out yet. Huh. I don't know. But then Cuz there was so there was specifically a video I saw that illustrated this in a really funny way which was just like here is a waffle that is standing up on its side. King yes, Crimson shows up and he knocks the waffle. Yeah. Yeah. And so like a bunch of the comments were just saying like that's not quite true because King Crimson would not actually be able to interact with the waffle. Oh, okay. Like he can't mess with anything in that 10 seconds of time. So I know you don't watch Doctor Who, but there was uh, an episode about... <laughs> the, the, well, look, there was... The one episode that I've tried to get you to watch is, like, the only one, actually, that I would recommend to anybody, really, is about the Silence, which are aliens that, uh, as soon as you look away from them, you forgot you ever saw them. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, while they're trying to find them, they, uh start marking on their arms whenever they see them so they'll know that they did encounter them at some point and so there's like one scene late where they're walking through this house and it seems like nothing's happening and then they look down at their arms and see they've marked them like a hundred times or something and that's a really good bit and i feel like that's kind of what king crimson is going to be like yeah I don't know, his, his thing mostly makes sense to me from the explanation of the hand, but it erases time. Yeah. Except... And and that, that being used basically undo damage taken on himself. Like, mm. 
But then the thing that does make sense to me is how to use that offensively. Yeah. Like, if he can't... That's what I'm saying. Also, it, it I just... seems like functionally it would be just like Dio's stop time. Also, I really like how this stand looks. This yeah. dude's face. Uh, there's these characters and kids in the hall that, like, they talk with their teeth clenched and their lips pursed out like this, and it just reminds me of that. Sure. He has a little tiny head on his forehead. really good <laughs> man this is the this stand looks like I'm trying to think of the least offensive way to put this he also has like a, that, a I, pattern I think... like Guido yes uh, I like that his eyes look like an Evangelion's eyes a little bit I was thinking they look kind of like a goat's yeah, yeah that makes sense uh, anyway, uh, King Crimson, we're gonna probably learn more about him in the next episode, but who knows if we'll actually be able to retain any of that or make sense of it. Well, the next one's called The Mystery of King Crimson, so... probably. You know, I would almost have to wonder if this was, like, a very confusing stand for people, um, before we hit the anime... Like, if the comic maybe just didn't do the best job of explaining how he worked, and if now that they have a second chance to approach it in anime form, if maybe they'll make a conscious effort to try to give it a better explanation. Yeah, I also am curious about that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, manga MA differences. I forgot to do this last week. Doesn't matter. There was probably nothing good there. Uh, but... but, but. In fact, there might not be anything good this time. Oh, should also mention the English version uh, name for King Crimson is Emperor Crimson. Yeah, it is. Which, like, that's okay. Hmm. Sure. It's still it's still keeping the naming convention in a way that you know Zipper Man and Six Bullets does not. Yeah, but at the same time, I. I wish they would at least keep the same number of syllables. But sure. Yeah, it it does make it considerably longer. Uh one interesting thing here from the manga anime differences is that a hole at the top of the elevator was added. So in the manga Araki never seemed to think, "Hmm, wonder how he would get in there." <laughs> Which I think maybe uh Kind of backs up your thing about maybe not knowing exactly how his ability worked yet. Yeah, I, I kind of think that it may be... Um, look, I've not obviously taken in all of Part 5 yet, so I don't know if it just consistently is a very confusing stand in, in what's presented to the reader. Um, but I would think that if the thing that makes it confusing is the stuff that happens at the start... I would generally just kind of write that off with any major stand that Rocky introduces because I think those initial moments he still doesn't quite have it pinned. Yeah. There, like there we've is... seen that plenty of times before. Uh, also a manga MA difference, there is a part in the manga chapter that shows the rest of Team Bucciarati like what they're doing and them noticing the effects of King Crimson. And that's been cut out, so that might be in the next episode. Hmm. But, for now... Every time I look into your eyes It's really, it's really, it's really Every time I connect on your wires
get bacon. What the fuck is this fucking bread anime you made me watch, dude? Uh, it's called uh, Yakitate Japan. Uh, it's about it's about bacon bread. So, episode thirty-seven is where we jumped in on this. There is a total of sixty-nine episodes. Eighty. Nice. Hey. Uh, 69 is French loaf. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, this thing opens on like the drama meter on like a fucking 11. Uh-huh. Like, we get Gendo Akari just walking into this building and is just like, there's a, a chairman uh, from France and he just immediately tells him to shut up and he's like, okay, look. I don't want Team Japan to win, so you need to do whatever it takes. You know, I've I've put you in this position, like, you owe me, and if you do this, like, you'll get an even better position, like... This is almost like a scene from Legend of the Galactic Heroes, but good. This is so weird, because there's, like, this tense music, and, like, Gendo's face is all, like, like, shadowed out, and he's just chomping on a cigar the entire time he's just straight up talking about like sinking the japan team and this seems like way more serious first of all than the rest of the episode is and also like what i was expecting like at that point in time i was expecting a comedy but it opens on this like weird drama piece that's like really tense and i thought like is this anime actually really serious no but yes uh Something I noticed is he says Japan specifically instead of Nippon, which makes me think that he's supposed to be, like, a foreigner? Well, no, because they, in, like, the intro, say that, like, America's got their own bread, France has their own bread, but Japan doesn't have a bread that's unique to them, so I'm going to make Japan bread. Like, I think that's the name of the bread. Like, that's the name he's giving it so gendo really fucking hates this bread man and so he wants to sink the team i thought it was gendo that said the japan part Uh, the main character says it too in the intro all right well whatever i i maybe have missed if he just says japan instead of nippon like any other time he brings up japan but like that specific part where he's like sounding out each syllable yeah, I took as a reference to the bread in particular that the main character is trying to make. Oh, okay. he says the same. Um, but I, and then, yeah, I didn't can... actually pay much attention to the intro, so I I had a lot to drink, and I decided to sit down and watch this bread anime. <laughs> sure, and I was captivated. Uh, I mean, who wouldn't be with a Puro the clown? Oh my and god! All the things he's yeah. up to. We we get this like we get this intro and that bit where the clown slides in and then it just like multiples of the clowns start uh-huh. filling the background was like the point where I just kind of threw my hands up. It was like I have no fucking idea what any of this is. Mm-hmm. And is this a guessed... good guy? Is this a bad guy? This clown looks scary, but maybe he's fun. I still don't know. Actually, I don't know what yeah, he's up to. Yeah, is he like? Is he a trickster god of some sort? Like, yeah. what is he? Clown Loki, sure. Yeah. Uh, um, you also probably wouldn't have guessed that the main character, like, generic anime boy, is also rooming with Hank Venture and Goemon Ishikawa. <laughs> Thank you, I was going to mention the Hank Venture thing specifically. Yep. That is just straight-up anime Hank Venture. <laughs> 
look slightly also, like I thought an that older character... Bobby Hill. Yeah, I thought that character also was a girl until and, until they started talking. Uh, okay. Like just based on the design, for whatever reason, I thought it was a girl. Um, but yeah, we we get this uh samurai dude. Uh, Hank Venture and Anime Boy, uh, and they're all sharing a room, and they get notified that, like, they're all going to a deserted island for the next part of, like, some competition, some bread competition them and, like, a bunch of other countries are involved in. I think that's this whole thing. Like, it's basically, like, a full-time... I think it's school? But they I gotta tell you right it. now, I don't know how they drag this out for 69 episodes. Uh... Gotta come up with new breads. Oh boy! So they're all on a plane, and a clown is flying the plane. Yep, he doesn't know how. Well, he does. Clown but it's is... because he's reading the manual. Yeah, clown is flying plane. How can that be? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's flying it with his feet. Also, and Hank Venture is not into this. No. I mean, he's be? freaking out. <laughs> Look, if a clown was flying the plane, yeah, I'd be demanding to know what the fuck was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he's demanding, like, okay, you need to, like, we have a right to know, where are we going, what's going on, and the clown's just like, I don't know. I'm just following orders, sir. Yeah, I'm just a clown. <laughs> I do what I'm told. I am but a simple clown. From a poor family. Uh, so... Hey, how about There's that green this totem... book win, huh? <laughs> Y'all hear about this? <laughs> that green book win, best picture. Timely. I still don't know what that movie is actually about. Oh, it's... Uh, it's uh, like a I... guy and a black guy become friends. Also, it's based on real people, and it was written by the son of the white guy, and the black guy that the movie was based on did not want them to make a movie. Hmm. So that's right. a whole thing. I, look, I did not understand why people were upset about it. That's not my way of saying like people don't have a right to be upset about it. Just I don't know oh, anything about it. So they're correct in this case. Okay. Uh, look, you, you got the great I'm... Viggo Mortensen. You got the great Mahershala Ali. They're they're both great. Yeah. This movie should not have won. Like. Look, to be very clear, like, I'm not saying that I distrust that people are upset about it. Like, I, I looked at that and was like, okay, the reaction to this is so strong, I'm sure that they're probably right to react this way. Just I had no concept of what that movie even was, so I, mean, I could not the, contextualize it. This is legitimately Crash Part 2. Like, okay. it's the exact same thing, where it's like, oh, this kind of crappy movie about racism somehow won Best Picture and nobody really knows why. Yeah, um, I I did see Spike Lee's reaction where like some guy asked him like, "Are you upset about it?" And he looked like visibly pissed off to even be getting asked that question. Like, how dare you ask if I'm upset about it and not just be able to intuit like, "Of course I am." Also, Spike Lee was dressed as Waluigi, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> I was going to mention Spike Lee looked like he was dressed as a fucking JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character. Yeah. Really, the the best part about all of that is Samuel L. Jackson when he looked at the envelope and, like, yeah. visibly being like, what? Yeah. That was really good. 
Yeah, but I saw Spike Lee's whole reaction to it, which I I understand he is very, very upset. Black Klansman sounds like it is an amazing movie, which is shocking to me because I think that we actually try to sit down and count the years since Spike Lee has made a good movie. Yeah, it was... um, At least a decade. Yes, last one was probably Inside Man, so that was... I'm going to say 15 years ago, because Clive Owen was in it, and when's the last time you've seen Clive Owen in anything? 15 years ago, Inside Man? <laughs> uh, well, Children of Men was after that, but yes. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't particularly think that Spike Lee is a good director. I don't think he's good at his job. I suspect Black Klansman is, as you mentioned, it's just based on something that is very good to begin with. And then, as I had mentioned, I think it might also be more to do with the other people involved in the production of that thing. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I, it's I just think that Spike it's an Lee interesting got story lucky that he's associated yeah. with that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then you also said like the ending to that thing is like not good, and I don't, I don't know how it. Boy. Ends. Yeah, it's it's real bad. I need Spike to. Lee I need to. Hey, I'm going to put a YouTube playlist at the end of this movie. <laughs> what? Uh, I need just, to like I need to get it. on watching that. Yeah, because I don't want to have it spoiled for me. I kind of need to see this play out naturally. Man. Man. Yeah, yeah the Oscars. Hey, look, we got a on-cinema Oscar special out of it, and I really hope that the archive of that is actually up now because everything that I've seen said about it makes it seem wild. Yeah, I want to watch that. See what Dakar doing Dakar doing a cover of Bohemian Rhapsody is something that I need very badly in my life. You know that that's maybe the good thing about Green Book winning is at least it wasn't Bohemian Rhapsody. Like that's yeah, something. I guess. I did not know the way that thing was edited until you showed me that clip. Uh, I mostly just wanted to see it because I've seen still images from it, and like the idea of a biopic about Freddie Mercury sounds like something that I would want to watch. Uh, but now I don't know. They uh, well, for one thing, they get a whole lot of details wrong, which is strange considering oh. Brian May is a producer on it. Um, oh, cool. Also, because of that, uh, Brian May is basically like, uh, it's a hagiography of Brian May essentially, because it's like, hey, look at this, this guy's great. He was great to Freddie. They were best friends. Everyone loved him. Which is. I, I think what care. you're telling me is when they show clips of it during the Oscars, it should just been that bit where Dick Valentine dances on Freddie Mercury's grave. Pretty much. <laughs> okay. I so, mean, which is a thing that they were very mad about when it's like, I think also they missed the point of that video. Apparently the performances in it are good, like the music performances. Uh, did you know Mike Myers is in it? Well, now I'm turning back around and <laughs> want to see it again. <laughs> it's he's there specifically to do a joke about Wayne's World, like they're they're um <laughs> they play some of Bohemian Rhapsody for them, and he's like, nobody would be sitting in their car banging their heads to this. Wink. Is Mike Myers? Do they digitally like DH him? I don't think so. Did I they get an actor like a, to play him? He's like a record producer. No, it's not literal oh. Mike Myers. Like Mike Myers is probably was, like a guy. I, okay. Well, that's nice that he's in a good movie. Yeah. 
I mean, he was in Inglorious Bastards for like a little bit, but yeah, about twenty seconds. Oh, anyway, bread anime. Uh, there's a totem pole man on this plane. Yep. It's just, just uh, sticking two his dudes head standing out on the car. Yeah. Uh, so they a hundred bread artisans drop onto an island. Yep. Here we go. All yeast is procure on site. Uh, I mean, they actually say that. Yeah. Not not all yeast is OSP, but they are like, you gotta find your own ingredients, even yeast. We're giving you flour. Yeah, so they are only given flour. Um, They have to survive on their own. Everyone's getting dropped on this island, and the mission is basically you need to make a sweet bread, and you have one week to do it, uh, and all you have is flour. And Team Japan is also put down on, like, the very southern tip of the island, like, which also just, like, branches off way, 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 way down, away from, like, the, the jungle or the forest or anything. Um, and when they're down there, like, it almost immediately, like, starts to get submerged under the tide. And so they need to, like, get up to the mainland. Uh, the samurai guy straps the flower to his head. And um, there's this re- there's this really good bit where there's like a cruise ship nearby for some reason. I'm guessing it's like people who are associated with the different teams, or maybe they've paid to be there and they're sort of observing this tournament. I I think they might be the teachers. Yeah, maybe. But like two of them notice like, oh no, Japan's part of the island is underwater, and so they call over the clown. Yeah. Clown's here. Like, come here, clown. Clown, we got a problem. Bring me the clown. I need his eyes. (laughs) Yeah. They're just like, Team Japan is underwater, and the clown's just like, hold on, let me use my clown vision to see, and his eyes slowly (laughs) start stretching out of their sockets. Uh, It's so gross. It makes a little stretching sound. So as I reminded you, this is lifted directly from uh, see, I think it was Warren Ellis's uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four, where Reed Richards stretches his eyeballs to see farther. It's disgusting. The clown was so bad. Uh, exposed to cosmic radiation, and he gained <laughs> special powers because of it. Oh man! But yeah, so the clown's able to see the island. He's just like, oh hey, you're right. And so they're like, do something about a clown, and the clown's just like. I'm just no. Clown. Yeah, I'm forbidden from using my god powers to help these bread artisans out. <laughs> the chairman won't allow it. Could the uh, clown and create so... a rock so large even he couldn't <laughs> lift it? That's right. Well, if you pull back from the earth, it's all clowns all the way down. Yep. We're all, Just, we're all resting on the backs of mighty clowns. Yes, it's the statue of Atlas, but a clown. With his eyes stretched out. I want to watch more of this just to see more of the clown. Uh, I, I never understood why... sucked into a whirlpool. I've never understood why people were affla- afraid of clowns until now. Until this very moment, and now <laughs> I get it. Yeah, I like him. Look, you you show me it, you show me the Joker, you show me uh, Ted Bundy, 
I think these are all just guys that want to have a fun time. T- Ted you know, Bundy. They, they, wait, which one was it that was the clown? John so, Wayne Gacy. Yes. Yes, my bad. Look, I don't know. Ted Bundy might have dressed up as a clown at one point. I bet he did at some point. Zach Efron's playing him, and Zach Efron's a clown. Boom. Take, take that, Zach Efron. I'm sure that movie will win Best Picture next year, because why not? Yeah. Uh, the song from Buster gonna... Scruggs did not win Best Song, which is wrong. Gotta give it to something with Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Come on, get real. I still have not seen any single clip from A Star Is Born, and I really don't care to. Same. Sean Penn it's sure not... cares a lot about it. Did you read yeah. that? No. Sean Penn like wrote this long like guest article for Deadline where he just talks about how great A Star Is Born is. At the end, he's like, "This is all movies should be." And I read that like, well, Sean Penn says it. It probably isn't worth watching. Uh, yeah. Maybe he should just go back to interviewing old Chapo or something, huh? Also, I want to say he says something about how, like, I toast a drink to Bradley Cooper when Bradley Cooper had problems with alcoholism. So, (laughs) that's an extra good bit. Wow, Sean. Great job. Great job. Yeah. So, Team Japan is stuck in a whirlpool. Hank Hill can, look, Hank Hill can swim. All right. Hank Hill <laughs> definitely can swim. You see what happened with that dolphin? Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. Hank Venture can swim really good. That is one of his attributes as a character. Uh, but Anime Boy seems to think that he needs help or is going to get sucked up by the whirlpool. And so he swims after him and just himself gets sucked up by the whirlpool. Uh, Hank Venture and the Samurai are totally fine. Uh, they wash up on land later, and they have this really good moment where they're like, oh, well, Azuma's dead, but, you know, we should, like, carry on his legacy and make this bread. And then uh, the samurai guy's like, can't you hear his voice? It's his soul crying out to us. <laughs> uh, but it's actually just the kid is buried under some sand nearby and is asking for them to help. Yes. And he does uh, it multiple they leave, times. They leave him in. Yeah. Like, it's not just they hear him going like, uh, or something it's like he's saying please <laughs> uh, they just walk away from him and then there's this bit where he's like in the sand crying going like how could they be so cruel when I was like this close to them and it should be like a funny moment but for some reason the performance actually made it seem like he seriously is actually very upset that they would do this yeah but it's okay because uh, he gets a visit some really cool dudes Oh boy, yeah, so they put a pyramid on him. <laughs> well, he doesn't yeah, know what the... it is at first. Yeah, to to keep the sun out. Uh it's team Egypt? Yeah. Which is broken up into like uh they all have unique names and I'm blanking on them, but one of them represents Cleopatra. It's like Cleopatra pink, sphinx blue and then pyramid red or something. Yeah, something like that. Hierophant green. Yeah. Uh, Dark blue moon. Yeah. So they. 
Team Egypt is helping him out because Team Egypt is also like arbiters of justice during this whole tournament or something like that. So it seems like they don't specifically play sides. They just want to make sure everything is fair. And so this little boy dying, they're just like, something's fishy about this. Like, this shouldn't have happened on this island. So I help him out. We're going to make it right. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know if they actually are, like if that's their official capacity or if that's just like their thing. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, but they got, like, cool Super Sentai poses, basically, when they're introducing themselves, which, that's neat. Right. And Seems also, very choreographed, like they've done this before. And apparently the uh, the costume thing is normal, because as we find out, uh, Team France apparently is not a totem pole, it's a bunch of, uh, like, I th- guess they were guys stacked together, like the little yeah. rascals in a trench coat. Yep. Uh... That's just something they like to do. Yeah. They're into it, man. Yes. Uh, So the samurai and um, Hank Venture, they they venture off into the jungle uh, to get some fruit, but they start to notice that there's no fruit nearby at all. And so as they look at the map, well, the samurai looks at the map, and he's just kind of like, oh... Huh, Team France is on the northernmost part of the island, and the French are the ones that are putting this whole thing together. So it seems to me like the chairman gave them the most favorable position, so the fruit must only be on the northernmost island. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of we cut back to Gendo and the chairman, and Gendo's just like, Yo, bitch, why didn't you fucking kill Team Japan? <laughs> yeah, and the chairman's like, but I, <laughs> Why... Why would you want me to do that? I'm not going to do that. Murder them. Kill for me. Say, so I, I thought you just wanted me to make sure they lose. I don't know about this. No, you ding dong. I wanted you to actually kill them. Uh, then well, the blood's on your hands, not mine. Well, mm. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying that this is maybe not the best plan. Maybe we could just... We'll just put them on the other side of the island so they don't have any fruit. Uh, Give and... you a nice, lazy job where you don't have to do any work anymore ever again. If you oh. just, all you gotta do, all you gotta do, three little murders. Alright. Now you're talking. Thank you. You could just, you could have done that, done it from the start. Well, you could have been clearer. Tell I... me what you actually want. What you really, really I want. Thought... I thought that I was very clear. I came into your office and I threw a cigar on your desk. Well, that and happens all the time. Well, be that as it may, or be that not as it may. Happens at least four times a day. Well, I want you to kill at least four times a day. Speaking of Spike Lee, I want you to kill. Kill! Kill! Leave me alone! What do you want? I want you to go out and kill. Kill! 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 I will kill. I will. I'll do anything you say. I'll do anything you say. Yes, master. I will kill. I will kill. Kill bread artisan. <laughs> That's what the dog was telling him. I hate the Japan, the dog says. 
man. Wasn't that dog voiced by John Leguizamo? No, it was uh, John Turturro. Okay. I, it, sound, was... it, it does sound pretty John Leguizamo. It sounds okay. like Norm MacDonald, really. I am but... consistently surprised in the places that John Leguizamo turns up. Yeah. I mean, we know he plays the clown in the bread anime. Oh, sure. See, unfortunately, he didn't turn into the violator at any point during this episode. Oh. Although... Well, if we keep watching, maybe. Look, that, that eyeball stuff, that's not something a human would do. Jesus, no. Only John Leguizamo would be capable of that. <laughs> the pest, John Leguizamo. Luigi Mario, John Leguizamo. Yeah. Uh, because I followed the Super Mario Brothers movie Twitter account, there's a whole lot of retweets of people going like, is it weird for me to have a crush on John Leguizamo in the Mario Brothers movie? No. Have you seen him? I get at least five tweets a day in my timeline of people getting fucking hard and wet over Luigi. I can't blame him. Especially that part where he puts the like the little pin thing on his face. Oh no. Yeah. Look, I'm just saying Toad is the number one standout hunk from the Mario Brothers movie. Well, which one? Before he gets de-evolved or after? Uh, look, prior to getting de-evolved, that's a Toad I can take home to my mother. Sure. De-evolved Toad, that's just for the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess it depends what you want, because... You know, once he gets devolved, he can't really play the guitar anymore because of his weird arms. Uh, and but that's what does... makes it hot. Well, sure, but but he does have that neck-mounted harmonica. I mean, that's what I like, is he wants to play the guitar, but, but Daddy won't let him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The de-evolution uh, chair is really sticky. I showed somebody the clip from Hackers with the virus. They'd never seen it before. The Cookie Monster virus? Yes. Well, not uh, just the Cookie Monster virus, but like everything else. Like, it's a rabbit in there. It's multiplying. It's going to eat all the code. <laughs> and like, also, uh, what the do Pac-Man, I do? The Pac Man virus. Yeah. What do I do? Type cookie, you idiot. Oh. Man, that movie's special. Uh, Hackers is fantastic. I met uh, Pin Gillette. And I knew I was going to meet him, and I had this moment where I thought, like, I could take my copy of Hackers and see if he might be willing to <laughs> sign it. But I, I didn't want to, like, seem like a dick. Like, I didn't want to be like, hey, ha, Hackers, right? This is a shitty movie that you're involved with. <laughs> sign it, jackass. Uh, like, that's like honestly not what it, it was. I, I love Hackers. Like, it is a completely ridiculous movie, and I love everything about it in the same way that I love the Mario Brothers movie. And, like, if I could actually have, like, anybody associated with that sign my copy, Fisher Stevens, uh, Angelina Jolie, whatever weirdo played the main character. Lorraine Bracco. Matthew Lillard. He would do it. Yeah. Look, the point I'm getting at here is I actually kind of regret not just sucking it up and bringing that case because I don't know what I'm going to be Pinjolette ever again. Yeah, I I bet Pinjolette would get a good laugh out of it, too. Yeah, I think he'd actually be cool with that. Like, he seems super affable. Uh, also, a, just a giant. 
Oh yeah, yeah, he's uh, huge. At that point in time, a thick slab of a man. <laughs> yeah, that was before he got all weird looking. Yes. Yeah, uh, that was the weirdest thing to me is having seen Penn and Teller for so long, I just assumed that Teller was a very short guy, but Teller is taller than I am. Well, Which just means the... Pin is that much bigger. Oh, Teller is taller than you are, yes. Yes, yeah. I, I thought uh, you were saying Pin. Taller than me. Pin is basically Pin just is two of me stacked end to end like the French team. Yes. <laughs> God. Yeah, like uh, that, that um, Celebrity Apprentice season or whatever he was on. Like, wasn't he on the same season as Lou Ferrigno? And he, like, towered yes. over him? Yeah. Uh, I think that was the same season where Meatloaf cried a lot. Oh, yeah, and Gary Busey. Man, that was that was good stuff. Adam, Adam Carolla was on it. Gary Busey was making Meatloaf cry all the time. Uh, that was good TV. Had that, that bit, the dude in the cowboy hat holding up the sign that said, Kill me. <laughs> Yes, I still have that saved. I found it yeah. a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's it's a real shame the whole Donald Trump connection with that show because otherwise that is a really great season of television. Yeah, but then you know Don Jr.'s extremely punchable face has to show up for like a solid twenty minutes at the end of the episode. Yeah, that was always the worst part. <sighs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of people stacked end to end. Pinjolette-sized monsters. Uh, the French team is taking a nap underneath the sand. Uh, mm -hmm. They love this. They're they're enjoying the island life when they get a call over the radio that tells them, "Hey, go pick up all the fruit and then burn the jungle down." Yeah, Congo style. Ferngully, this bitch. Mm. Never saw Ferngully. You don't need to. Yeah, I know. I wasn't yeah. saying, like, oh, I should get around to that. I'm just saying, never did. I saw it when I was a, a wee child, and I thought it was terrible back then, and I had a dumb baby brain, so... Mm, I remember seeing clips of it, and Tim Curry's the bad guy, right? I think so, and then I think Robin Williams plays... A bat? It's like an animal... Yeah, I think it's a bat. I know uh, there's that, a bat. like, was experimented on, so it's got, like, wires coming out of its ears or something Wait, like what? that. Yeah, I think, like, part of the environmental message was just, like, hey, people experiment on animals. And I think there was some whole thing about how, like, he was a bat, uh, but he's in the rainforest because he was part of some sort of animal experimentation thing nearby. And so he's got, like, wires sticking out of his head or something like that, like antennas. Okay, this is news. To I me. might be misremembering this, but I, I remember something looking, being real weird with that. I just remember looking like a regular bat. Hold on. I just, I need to... How about you type it up? You got your fancy noise kit. Look okay. up the ferngle. Look at the ferngly bat and let me know if I'm crazy or not. All right, sure. I was already wrong about Steve Bloom being Kira, so you know. Oh yeah, he does like have a like a plug thing on his head. Okay. Yeah. It, it the thing is, it doesn't really look. Yeah. All right. I want to say his whole deal is that he's the byproduct of some sort of like experimentation thing because hey, you know. Okay, I, huge I know environmental why. message in that movie about because, how fucked everything we do is. Like in the box art and stuff, he is turned in a way that you can't see that because it's on the left side of his head, yeah. and so I never saw that. And then, like at the end of the movie, they just start talking shit about Steve Irwin. It's super weird. <laughs> why? <laughs> What they have against I'm him? I'm joking. 
I know. I'm, I, I okay. Was to the <laughs> for, okay. For a moment, I thought you totally missed the whole PETA thing, so no. my bad. All right. Well, I mean, he doesn't kill enough that animals. That's the attention. Yeah. They they don't. Steve Irwin didn't kill enough animals. That's the problem that they have with him. Really? Yeah. He didn't do enough to murder animals. Well, it's he, for the, PETA thinks they take pride in their work. Yeah. Look, they're doing the animals a favor. Yeah. Can't have too many of them running around. They're doing them a favor. Also, murder all pit bulls, kill all pit bulls. Pit bulls should die, because I'm a scared of pit bulls. Dolly. Because one... (laughs) That's right. I've gathered this meeting of PETA representatives tonight. We figure out how to kill Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) <sighs> Solomon Grundy stands up and <laughs> makes a petition for more pants as he does during every PETA meeting. Sure. Solomon Grundy wants pants too. I want more toys. Oh, that was such a good bumper. Toy Man is uh retired now, mostly spends a lot of his time on Toy Arc and Big Bad Toy Store, <laughs> making <laughs> very expensive orders. Well, you know, also, I'm the Toy Man. <laughs> Get that free, uh, that four dollar flat rate shipping now. So that's something. Yeah, yeah. Put everything in your pile of loot. Yeah. Save even more on shipping. Oh boy. So yeah, the force is burning down, and so Team Japan is in a really dire straits now because they're just like smack dab in the middle of it. Uh, Hank Venture is freaking out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that yes, is. Yeah, that is where we leave this episode. Yep. Uh, although, there is a really great bit at the end where it's just like, here's your bread tip of the week. You can make yeast by putting flour in some water and letting it sit for a while. Yep. I There's 69 episodes, so they would have had to have come up with 69 different tips related to making bread. There's a lot. You know, different types of dough. You know, wet dough versus... Uh... Drier dough, uh, kneading, you know, or get, gets different textures. Or hear me out on this: you just go to the store and buy some bread like a normal person. You can, but you can't just go out there and you can't buy, you know, something with a bunch of weird yeah. crap in it. Actually, a friend of mine mostly makes all of his food uh, homemade, and uh, he brought in some like rolls that he made uh, from scratch, and they were actually really good. Yeah, uh, I, I had watched, but... um, there was a Bake Off Masterclass episode where they show how to make a specific kind of bread. I forget what's in it, but there's like, I don't know, dates and something, like a bunch of chopped up fruits and stuff in it. It actually seemed pretty easy to do. Oh. Yeah, uh, where I was going with that, though, was he's also been making beef jerky lately. And so he left me, like, a massive slab, like, just a huge pile of teriyaki beef uh, with a bunch of, like, crushed red pepper in it. And it's really, really, really good, except some pieces have too much gristle. Uh, I've been eating it for the last three days. My molars actually hurt really, really bad now. Yeah. Yeah, I've kind of stopped eating jerky. Oh, <sighs> Yeah, it's I've like woke up with a lot of pressure pain on like one side of my mouth. It was not fun. Yeah. Uh, but hey, I can still chew on the other side of my mouth. So uh, it's true. 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep doing it. Switch to Slim Jims full time. Oh sure, my favorite part when you bite into a Slim Jim and the Jim juice shoots down your mouth. It's everyone's favorite part. That's why Macho mm, Man loved him so jer- much. Jerky water. It's not jerky, please. It's a processed beef stick or whatever I, lingo that I'm on a diet, so I just squeeze all my gym juice into a glass and I drink that. Oh boy. It's all the, it's all the great gym flavor without the calories. Do <sighs> you want me to find out what we've got next week? Yeah, spin the wheel. Uh, so I think we're agreeing that this bread anime stays in in the roulette, right? Yeah, for now. Well, uh, it's going to be pretty soon we're going to have to start cutting stuff, though. So I... I'm kind of curious, uh, like, where this thing goes, possibly in later episodes. But the thing, too, is I felt that this was already fairly self-contained. Like, there's absolutely enough about this that makes it perfect for anime roulette because, like, I don't know what the deal is with Gendo. This clown yeah. is here. I'm sure that we would have had more time to sort of learn about the other teams involved and what the actual parameters of the tournament are. So, like, there's enough that it leaves us in the dark. But uh, as far as just enjoying, like, what the plot was for this episode, it was self-contained enough that it wasn't as batshit as, say, Hunter x Hunter. Yes. The thing is, for what you actually wanted for this... There's not a whole lot of options. That's true. That's, that's kind of the problem. Which is why I'm saying maybe we actually take it out because it increases the chance of getting to some of those other ones that are even better for okay. anime roulette. All right. We'll do that. We have, we have more of a chance of hitting 100. All right. Now we're down to 11 on the roulette. So... Sorry, bread anime. It's not that I don't like you. It's... Yeah, I like you a whole lot, but yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, was well... that one that you found, or was that suggested to us? By the way, no, that was one I found. I told you it's because I remembered okay. that bit with Rive of the Kaiser. Oh, right, right. Um, one through eleven, nine. Hmm. Nine is Toriko. You know Toriko. No, what is, what is Toriko? Uh, it's a it's about a big muscle guy who goes around trying to find the perfect food. So, kind of related. Uh, also, there are uh, 147 episodes of it. Oh, boy. Well, look, the bread anime is damn near 70 episodes of television, so if they can stretch that out, then I'm willing to believe well, anything. This this was actually one of the first things I thought of when putting together this list because okay. I have read a little bit of the manga and started pretty late into it because it was just in Shonen Jump when I was subscribing to it. Uh, mm. So I can tell you from experience, this is a really confusing series. Uh, that's good. That's perfect for this. Uh so, so you said it's about 147, so I would say that we probably would just start after episode 75. Okay, 75. A nice even number. Seven? Yeah, even, 75. Yeah. 
Look, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> oh boy, 144. Coming in ah. at the end. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what another good, like, version of anime roulette would be? Is where you don't actually randomize the episode, but you always just watch the final one. <laughs> Pretty close to it this time. Yeah. I actually would almost say that maybe when we get repeats and we're whittling down it, maybe that's what we do and we just watch the final episode. I don't know that I would do that because I think there are some of them that I actually might want to watch anyway. Alright, that's that's fair. That that last Fist of the North Star one we did was also really close to the end. It was, yeah, even though it... I mean, I can kind of see how it it sets that stuff up because you got everything going on with... uh, Ken's brother. I'm forgetting his name now. Kayo. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, but that, even then, that was still ten episodes away from the end. That was 141 yeah. out of 152. This time, we're right at the end. Yep. All right, bring it on. I'm right. ready. It's gonna be Pump good. the enemy into my body. Not too much, though. Oh no. It's bad for I want to give I want to give full up of anime. I know you don't really care about things that are bad for you, considering you were talking about drinking a giant monster. Yeah, let's see. The last beverage I had before I went to sleep was a martini with gin and vodka, and uh, I woke up today, and the first beverage I had was Monster Ultra Paradise. It's just good living. It's sugar-free and zero calories, so that is a healthy way to start your day. Nothing better. Yeah. Uh, only, only a scant 150 milligrams of caffeine in this can, as opposed to a bang, which is twice as much of that. All right. Well, we'll do this again next week. Um, if your heart hasn't exploded from too much monster. Uh, it's fine. Get star platinum to just keep pumping my heart for the rest of my life. Then I'll never die. Yeah, okay. Bye. Alright, bye. And get out of here. <laughs> get. Go. No, you see, we don't want you anymore. Remember that? Kill for me. <laughs> Go out there and kill. Let's start right out. Hey, what happened? As you know, back in 1970, I start on a series called What Happened? And every time something would go wrong, I would look at the camera and say, Hey, what happened? <laughs> we had a lot of fun with that and a lot of other catchphrases. I got a real red wagon. <laughs> and uh, I can't do my work. And I believe I was the first one to use the phrase, I don't think so. But it only lasted a year. And that's good because that's how you establish a cult. So I was on stage doing all my shtick, you know, hey, what happened? And I can't do my work. And if someone would heckle me, they'd say, are you going to be on stage all night? I would say, that's right. And that'd crack up the audience. But I noticed the guy sitting down front with a long face. Nothing got to him. So I turned to the lady next to him. I said, would you hold your mirror up in front of his nose to see if he's still breathing? To see, in fact, if there's a reflection. So he started to smile. After the show, I go down and introduce myself. His name is George Menchel. He had been with a group called the Main Street Singers. Now, I was never into folk music. I'd 
worked some bills with some folkies, you know, put him in the cell with a long hose on him, put him in the cell with a long hose on him. And I used to say, if he's got a long enough hose, uh, he's going to have a lot of friends in the shower room. Uh, <laughs> folk audiences hated that joke. But I said to George, I said, seriously, uh, you've put up some great numbers. If you reform your group, I can send you out on the Starfish cruise lines. Together we could make a fortune and you will have a ball. They used to go out, come back. They had a great time. Uh, except a couple of cruises, dysentery broke out on the ship. I was not there. You do not want to be on a cruise ship when dysentery breaks out and be knocking on the men's room door and say, will you be coming out soon? And here, I don't think so.